Raising the expectations there. That, that hey guys, it. thanks for coming out tonight. Um, so tonight we're continuing on in our study of the life of Jesus, and we have been camped out on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so again tonight, we're in Matthew chapter six. So if you have your Bibles, uh, it's going to be Matthew chapter six, verse nineteen. Like I feel like a lot of what we've read through here, these are very familiar verses, and people that maybe even don't read the Bible often or come to church often, you say these verses, and these are verses that you've heard before, maybe many times, maybe you can even quote them. I guess my goal through this section has been that we draw something out of it you didn't see before, because that has happened to me while I've been studying it. So um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, uh, do not lay up for yourself treasures on heaven, or treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also the lamp of the body is the eye if therefore your eye is good your whole body will be full of light but if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness if therefore the light that is in you is darkness how great is that darkness no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Um, so in studying this, I found out that um, in the United States, we have over 54,000 storage units. So many storage units that every American could, stay, square footage-wise, we could all stand in storage units and there would be room for like all of us to stand in America. And even in our town, you ever notice something will be being built and it's like, ooh, what's that gonna be? Storage, storage unit. unit. I was gonna say that number's gotta be grossly low. That's what I, I was, was thinking. thinking the same thing. Thinking That's probably the five thousand St. Clair. Oh, we've got so fifty four thousand? The per capita. Franklin County alone. I, yeah, I was thinking We've the same thing. It's got to be a Missouri units. number. Like Nebraska has head of cows. We have storage no units. There's 54,000 storage units with 1,000 units shop. per. Oh. Yeah, Maybe. Yeah. So what Maybe. I'm saying is we've got stuff. We've got stuff. We've got stuff stored up. And how precise is Jesus talking when he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven and do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth? Uh, which is what we are really good at, is storing up things, and this is our stuff, and this is my stuff, I've worked hard for this stuff, um, which, uh, which begs the question, what do you treasure? And you can answer here, just a question, and it doesn't have to be stuff. Oh, I was always taught, we don't have checkbooks anymore, but look at your bank statement. Right. It'll tell you what you love. No doubt. Well, it's good because honestly, storage units is just the start. Oh, because yeah. we also have garages, we also have basements, attics. We also have uh, ba attics, Shit. and then junk drawers, junk rooms, <laughs> and at junk least I'm barns. Yeah, no doubt. But no there's doubt. also no clear picture though, like with a child. Like there's a certain age where you if you ask a child for his toy, he just hands it to you. Here, here, and then there's a point when he says mine. No doubt. You know, and there's, there's no clear picture when. Well, and, and I think the you know, United States of America had a, uh, and, and I don't use this word in the scientific sense, 
but an evolutional societal experiment in the 20s and 30s where everybody lost everything type thing. Uh, they, they, they truly, truly struggled. And the generations that came out of that, oh, I believe savers. that that, that savers, hoarders, and, and the such. Um, and, and I'm not saying that it was necessarily wrong because they had in their mind a very good reason why to keep this. Uh, I won't say the name because it doesn't matter, but we had to go through this lady's house uh, years and years ago and the freezers of stuff that were, I mean, out of date doesn't even begin to tell you the condition of the food in the freezers. Could not bring herself to throw it away because she remembered a time when she, she had, had nothing. nothing. Yep. She had nothing. And so, uh, what is what are we looking at, Brad? There are more self storage units in the U.S. than McDonald's and Starbucks locations combined. That's saying something. That still seems like not enough McDonald's. There's, <laughs> seems we like need more, more fast food than that. That's right. So, uh, so your question though, what do you treasure? And I, I think to to you know. The best way to answer that probably is is that uh, it's pretty obvious what you treasure. Yeah, it could be. I mean, is it? It, it didn't have to be money. I feel like money and right. objects right. Uh, that your money bought is right. obviously, um, if we're being honest, very important to all of us. But right. it could be your reputation. It could be your hobby. Right. It could be. Um, and would a reputation people? be that bad of something to treasure if it was a Christ-like reputation? Correct. Yeah, well, and, and that, at least any man should boast, but right. Well, and, and I think that that that. So what we're finding here is that this is the perfect, or this is the reason, if you will, that Christ gets so pointed. Mm -hmm. Is is that this is how to know when your treasure is somewhere other than where it ought to be? Because your heart follows your treasure. That's right. Like what you treasure, you're gonna pursue that you're going to follow that with everything you've got so so the scripture here tells us why putting our treasure in earthly things is not a good idea and what does it say why, why is it not a good because idea because rest and moth will right. destroy. it won't last temporary yeah it tells you that it's, there's uh, the the fall doesn't apply to heaven that's right. says nothing that's going to decay like that. and this this uh, passage also what can you put your treasure in that goes to heaven? Other people. Correct. It's the only packages that you can put in, invest in other people that's going to go, go the, and sometimes go ahead of you, sometimes come after you. And, and think about that. You know, so, so why is that? Why, why is it that people are eternal? You know, well, that, it's because God put that inside of us. God built that vacuum that we talk about. You know, every one of us has a vacuum that only God fits in, and that's another, you know, supporting of this passage. None of, the, none of those earthly things satisfy. I, I mean, I, you know, I can't speak for anybody else in the room, but, and I don't think that earthly pursuits in and of themselves are wrong unless you're seeking fulfillment mm -hmm. from them. Well, and they continually do not fulfill. And I guess, you know, he's calling... A brother and sister in Christ a treasure you right. don't think of that too often but I've only 
I've, I've been able to lead a few people to Christ. One of them was my 82-year-old grandpa. Well, he's now gone with the Lord. Right. And when I, you don't think about a and passage. heaven's sweeter now because of it. Yeah, and I think about, I'm not going to think about these old junk cars. I'm not going to think about all the stuff I've had here. But when Wait, I is see, Lindsay in here? Yeah. <laughs> but she's going, she could hear it. Yeah. I oh, yeah. that. He said, what? But I, I just, that's the first time. I got something from this passage already tonight because I think about the first moment I step into heaven and I see grandpa. Amen. What a treasure. Amen. You know, so that. Yeah, amen. It's like uh, packing all your stuff up to go ahead of you, like the, the mover, yeah. putting it in people that go on ahead of you. So then um, it goes on in 22 where it's talking about our eyes and what we see. Um, and obviously I don't think he's talking about just our physical eyes, but um, kind of like this is saying treasure becomes like glasses to us. Like we're putting on these glasses and our treasure disorients what we're seeing. And what we're seeing distorts what we start doing. Um, so basically, like, what, is there a better way to say that? Like, you're, you're putting on your treasure glasses, and now that's all I, I see. I'm right. not seeing God's kingdom. I'm seeing my stuff and what I'm pursuing. And, and, and now your loyalties are divided. And, and that's why the very last thing that he says is, is so palpable that you're not going to serve. You can try, but you're not going to serve two. You're going to cling to one and despise the other. And so, you know, th there's a word there, that the lamp of the body is the eye, if therefore thine eye be single. And we've talked before about what the word holiness, purity, single. You, you, you can literally translate the word purity as single-minded. You don't let anything else mix in. You're single-focused on... And, and, you know, as I was studying this for tonight, I, I'm, you know, my human part is like, can anybody say? Can anybody do can, this? Can anybody do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I, and I, you can't see this in Radio Land, but uh, we've got a new book in front of our panel here that we're going to be looking at for next year on 31 Days to Happiness. I alluded to it a couple weeks ago by David Jeremiah, and the illustrations in here are is worth the book alone the stories that he shares, and a lot to do with what we're talking about tonight. And, and yes, we can. And, and I think that, for me anyway, it's a, it's a daily battle. It's a daily battle. Am I going to wake up today and live for God's kingdom, or am I going to wake up today and live for mine? And from there, it's an hourly and minutely battle. Am I going to stay with the stuff? Am I going to, you know, if, if I did commit today to live for God's kingdom, am I going to do it this hour? <laughs> you know, am I going to do it this minute when I'm being tempted to do something else? And I, there was a, uh, one illustration I got to share it, because it really fits into this. This uh, carpenter became a pastor, him and his wife, and they were soul winners. And they would go church to church to church and help the church win souls, revivals type stuff. They never had anything because they couldn't afford it. You know, they, they just, he, he could provide for them to have food, to rent a home and such. And they finally, close to retirement age, scrimped up enough to buy a little cottage. Or he built it. And so, and this, this was like in the, I'd say 50s or so, 1950s. And on, after they got it all done, and, and it wasn't very big, but it was theirs, they went off on a revival. And when they came back, thieves had broke in, and they 
knocked a lamp over or something and lit the place and it all burnt down. And, and so they're both just sitting there and rubbling through the, their losses. And the husband said, babe, we never have lived for this stuff. We're not going to start today. God's going to take care of it, you know. Well, he died shortly thereafter. And uh, Dr. Lillinus, you may or may not be aware of a music publishing group called Lillinus Publishing Group. We have purchased stuff as a church from that group. It's a Christian organization. He, because the, the uh, dad, husband, wrote a song about that particular situation and became a very famous hymn uh, among, you know, certain groups of churches. And he had sold these, these hymns, and he got to thinking about widow so-and-so. Jones, I think was her name. So he goes to visit her. She's in an old lady's home in this community. And it just breaks his heart. And she, he sits down with her and says, this isn't right. This isn't right. You guys have done so much for the kingdom of God. You should have a home of your very own. And he, she looks at him and says, oh, Dr. Lillness, you don't understand. A new lady comes into this home every month, and she's lost. And almost every month of the year, I win a new person to Christ. Oh, my goodness. And I'm telling you, I'm just sitting there going, <laughs> just bawling my eyes out. Because I know that's not my level, if you will. I, I've got a long ways to go to get there. And I, I hope and pray to get there. Because we all, we all know that's where we ought to be. And please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we all need to divest ourselves of our wealth. I, that is you and God's decision. But we all certainly should divest ourselves of the opinion that this world can satisfy. Oh, yeah. And Amen. that souls. So, and, we, you know, we're, we're preaching to the choir here. Do you think it's a healthy thing to sometimes be scared by your health, wealth, and prosperity? Mm. That he's blessing me so much. I look around at all this stuff, and I'm like, I don't do enough. Well, there's a verse that says that uh, God leads to repentance many times by his kindness. Kindness blessings you know sometimes god uses prosperity to bring us to a point of humility and, and understanding that oh my lord i don't i don't deserve this and he knows that and and also on the flip side he blesses his faithful no so doubt. you know that scale balances so i guess it's, it comes to a matter of the holy spirit well okay so you, you guys are going to love this book it's a balance think about it god says hold your hold your hands up and he starts putting what would be considerable to gold bricks, you know, blessings, healthy children, healthy wife, good job. I mean, just fill in the blank. Here you go. Go, go, go. Y'all ever picked up a gold bar? Wish I could say I it, had. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> it's heavy, so I'm told. And so physically, you're starting to lean forward, and you're getting off balance. So you know what he does? And please, Lord, Everybody knows we're not signing up for any of this. <laughs> Cancer in the backpack. Family troubles in the extended family. I mean, fill in the blank. Financial reversal, uh, health reversal. He balances it. So now you've got all these wonderful blessings in front of you, and you've got a backpack filled with stuff. And, and God balances. And so he gives you grace to carry the stuff in your backpack, and he, pray, he blesses his name by blessing you. He might give you blessings to help with no the doubt. troubles you have. No doubt. Well, you, you, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, finish. So, well, you say so often from the pulpit, especially with a $100 bill, sometimes he'll put it in this hand yeah. just so just you can Just to get it, it to the another place. Amen. Yeah. 
Amen. So it's hard to talk about this without talking about money. Um, because whether well, we that's the whether we like to admit it or not, money has a bit of a supernatural power over I mean, whether I don't maybe supernatural not is not always a word. good. Not always good supernatural. Correct. Yeah. But it has okay, for example, like look at the number one stressor in most people's life is not money. Enough. Right. And or divorces are most of the time related finances. to finances. Um, so money is a big deal. And um, I heard this said, use money. You can use your money to serve God or can you, you can use God to serve your money. Right. Um, and which way are you going to look at it? But he certainly blessed us with more than we need. But so when it comes to money, is uh, is money your primary filter for your decisions? So when it comes to making decisions, is your first thought, how is this going to affect my money? Or is it, does God want me to do this? Yeah, I've seen That's, some I'm ashamed to admit. shipwrecks yeah. because of that. I've seen some personal shipwrecks because the money didn't make sense. You know, the, the financial side of it didn't make sense and caused a decision I think was, for them personally, wrong. Personally disastrous in some cases. Well, and, and you know, we... Uh, I can't tell you in the 22 years here how many how many times people have come and said, Brother Ben, I got two opportunities. One is essentially more exposure and influence, and the other is more money, you know. Uh, and, and, I'm, and we could really use the money, you know. And I go back to what my dad has always said uh, back in the day is the best decision is the one that will bring the most glory to God. And so, in some cases, the influence and more opportunity, even though the money may not be as good as over here, that's going to give you more opportunity to share Christ, such of that nature. Now, again, th there are times that, that it, God just straight up blesses you, you know. And, and, and I've told some people, hey, this is God honoring the hard work that you've done, you know, and as such. Uh, but, and again, you know, peace arbitrates God's will. But, but I, I don't know if, I guess the obvious answer, Tara, is that absolutely we as middle-class Americans struggle with making a decision if, if it's going to mean more money. Yep. You know, Completely um, free of, well, this has got to be God's blessing because it's more money, not, right. not, not necessarily. necessarily. Well, hey, look at with the coronavirus going on right now. They're saying some of these people, you need to self-isolate. I can't survive if I self-isolate. Right. You know, that's what some of these people think. You know, single moms. They got bills to pay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's like they're putting their their health and their all that. They're putting their finances before all of that, and other people, you know, because it's we don't believe we can live without that. that can't dollar. live without toilet paper. Not that's proven fact right there. Store we might have to live without it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's just some questions about you know money and uh, well. I think that's why he compares this to serving two masters, because it's really, he says, I'll read it again. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Like he gives the example, and then he spells it out in crayon for us. Right. You cannot serve both God and money. I mean. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So, uh, and you can't help it that if your treasure is money and stuff, it demands your worship. It it, yeah. And so you're so like, let's look at debt. So like debt in America is like, oh, worse than ever. Um, and it's more accessible and they get people like enticed with it. 
You know, who's oh, the so biggest easy. credit card market? Yeah. 18 to 20 year olds. Like, let's get them hooked on credit cards right now. Hang them by a noose that will have them hooked for the rest of their life. And so what do you have when you have bad debt? You are a slave to your debt. Um, it's right there. You can't serve two masters. And you're going to be serving that debt. That it's the same master. at both ends, dear, because you, you can be owned by your stuff, too. When you're wealthy, oh. you sometimes are owned by that, too. You got to ask yourself, do I own the stuff or does the stuff own me? Yeah, I've got to have that point. car and I have to have this kind of house. I have to have this brand of <clears throat> clothing and cooler and, and everything else. a great deal else. of wealth requires yeah. constant management. So constant I have to keep this job so I keep up this, all of this. Yeah, and, and you know, because anybody that knows me very well knows, knows that if, if I own something that requires upkeep, <laughs> it's going to be a bad day for that item uh, in the <laughs> such. And, and, and all of that requires finances. Yeah. To continually upkeep it. You know, it, it requires... Well, yeah, not only that, but discipline. like... Discipline. We live in a world where, um, like, they engineer things to break when the warranty's up. So no you've got to buy another one. Like, <laughs> how long does your washing machine work? Oh, just ironically, right until the warranty's up. It's like the iPhone, I swear. They send out a virus to, like, break it down. No more warranty. you got to buy another one. Conspiracy. Uh, amen. So you, you had to go there when you said uh, spell it in crayon. Uh, the, the famous story in the Kingston lore when we bought our first and only house and we're moving all of our stuff in and Molly at two years of age comes up and says, I do a son next. I do a son next. And I'm like, whatever. And I'm putting, uh, uh, what, what do you put on walls? Uh, trim. Putting trim on the floor. Baseboard. You know, baseboard, that's it. And it hits me. <clears throat> son. She's drawing something <laughs> somewhere. And she don't have no paper. Yeah. And on these freshly painted walls, she's got this magic marker. A mural. She's just, yeah. She's just going round and round doing a sun. And I scream, Dawn! <laughs> Dawn comes in. And, Get your daughter. Yeah, Save your right. daughter. <laughs> and, and Molly's just looking at it like, aren't you impressed? Yeah. And, my, and Dawn's about in tears. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And uh, it finally hit me. I said, well, babe, we're going to keep the kid and we're going to keep the house. So we just might as well figure out how to get this off and, and move on. But, but that was a, a gut check. Mm -hmm. what, 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 what's really important here? You know, this is just a dwelling. And that's all it is. It's just a dwelling. It was 1,100 square foot dwelling. It was our castle, but it was our dwelling. And that's all it was. It, it wasn't significance. It wasn't security. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't well, so maturity to us. I, th I think Jesus balanced, you know, you talk about this book being balanced. Jesus balanced it perfectly when he said, render under Caesar, what is Caesar's? Render yeah. under God, what is God's? Yeah. So, and then therein is the fix, and you said it, um, prioritize. First, assess yourself. Like, how do you get free from, well, a problem well stated is a problem half That's solved, solved right? Amen. So, it's repent. It's action, not just repent of, oh, you know what, I am storing up my treasures right here on earth. Um, recognize it and repent from it, but not just a, a thought, do it in action. So right. if you're not doing the right thing with your money now, or, you know, do the right thing now. You've been doing the wrong thing. Next step is the right thing. So yeah. tithing, step right. one, I mean, right. that's saying you have faith um, that God's going to do with, you know, he's going to take care of you. Um, be generous. Jesus was generous. Like, what does it look like if we're holding on to our stuff, our precious stuff, and we don't want to <laughs> share any of it like does that look like christ maple syrup <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just saying Ouch. i'm just saying you put all this work and effort into something 
And then you think about, I'm just going to give it away. <laughs> but that's what we do. We, we just give it away. We don't sell it. For the record, and I, know, I, and I know you that. guys do. And, and, and what a testimony, Rosa, living in Al Morocco. Oh, my goodness. You know, you, yeah, I would not do maple syrup this last two years. You couldn't give. And he wouldn't, wouldn't do it before take, that without Gavin. He wouldn't take $1,000 for a jar of maple syrup. You look syrup. all tied up, Benjamin. <laughs> Dad joke. Dad joke. Yeah. Hey, amen, Tom. Uh, so there was somewhere I was going with that, but I can't remember now. Oh, you, you said tithing. I try to roll over when someone comes and they're asking for advice on tithing because I'm always so humbled that they have allowed themselves to be humbled, if you will, to come to the preacher and talk about tithing. And, and all I want to say out there is that Tara absolutely nailed it. That's number one. You start number one. And, and God will meet you where you're at. Start at 1%. Start at 1% and get to 2 Make it the first thing yeah. you do with the no, money. No doubt. The, the first fruits are God's. The and, firstborn is God's. The and first. with the right heart. Because he right. talked about earlier in Matthew chapter 6, like people were tithing, but it was like, look at me. Look at everything I'm giving. And he, he called them out on it. Like, you've got, you know... You're, you're tithing wrong. You're, you're making it about you. You're making it about You've show. You've gotten a reward already. Right. And tithing is a built-in reminder that, yes, it is. that this world is not where we're to put our treasure. You know, Because, right. again, I, I've lovingly, jokingly said, don't add your tithe up. Because when you do, you think, holy cow, that's a car. <laughs> I've, I've got yeah. a journaling Bible. Yeah. And I tithed. Uh, you preached a sermon a couple of years ago. You know, give till it hurts. Yeah. And there was one week we gave till it hurt. My wife's like, are you sure? I'm like, we're going to try it, you know. And I wrote it in my Bible. And I remember we never went without. Amen. You know, and I just read it a couple weeks ago, and I probably got red-faced in church because I'm like, I haven't given till it, till it hurts since then. And it's like, how quick did I forget, you know. Amen. So you're like, oh, man. But. Well, and, and I'll tell you, we have hundreds of people in this church, at least a hundred that can give a wonderful testimony about that, what God did for them once they said, we're doing it, you know. Regardless, yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, Could so you we'll, just pose one question? Yeah. Are, we, are we wrapping it up here? I didn't we are, forward. but that's okay, Gavin. So I, just You've one question. You've got a doctorate degree. You can. Oh, Lord, talk. <laughs> it, the, in verse 20, it says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust. I don't think that's just people. Think about what that I could agree. be. I agree. Because character. Character. You deliver to somebody an encourage, word of encouragement at a critical time right. that they did something yeah. then that they needed to do. Using your spiritual gift. A, yeah, I think there's a lot more to it than just people. Actually, I had that in my I, notes, too. We could too. probably discuss this all over again in a totally different light. No doubt. And so, again, that was the idea, to look at this in a way you haven't seen it before. So, so think of the prayer of Jabez. Lord, if you have a blessing up there in heaven today, give it to me. And in that little book, Bruce Wilkinson talks about that he, he wonders, are we going to get to heaven and find heaven full of warehouses of all the blessings that we did not ask for? That's interesting. That's interesting. And I don't think that's saying, you know, the type of it's person that's like... Health, wealth, and prosperity. Yeah, it's, it's not the, well, I want this really fancy car because right. I'll look so good driving it and uh, people think I'm more important. I, that's not the kind of blessings no, that no. God's wanting to hand out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think so because... 
I've had the same car for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Have been Wait, but have you asked for a blessing? No. <laughs> Happy with it. The car's still running. Hey. All right. We'll stop there. Um, I'm just saying. I'm going to make. Um, oh, I didn't do it. I, I wanted to not do a coronavirus, I'm just saying. But I couldn't help it because you have to laugh about something. But I saw a meme that said, um, new travel discount, buy one cruise, get one, get two free. <laughs> Use promo code coronavirus. Coronavirus, yeah, yeah. Got to laugh wow. about something. Wow. Well, and then my husband got me this morning because I turned 40 in like two months, and he sent me a thing that said, no one under 40 in the U.S. has died from coronavirus. And he said, <laughs> I just wanted you to know you've got two months until you're in the danger zone. <laughs> my, son, my son comes to me and says, Dad, really, the only people that are at risk are people with health issues, so that means you. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, son. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, yeah he's Thinking sweet. about you. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> Gavin, I'm just saying. I don't. Well, I, I failed. Do. I failed. Gavin? I, mine's insensitive and political, so I'm not so sure if I should say it. The so, usual. Yeah, per perfect, I'm just saying. <laughs> so I, just throwing this out there, I, I wonder if we could just tell Joe Biden that he won the election, we had the vote early and he won, and just have would, a be, would that be good with him? He could. You're the I'm president. I'm just saying it's worth a try. You're the president. I think my wife treats me like that. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like Oprah yes, following you that you're guilty winner. pleasure. You're yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Do you have one time? I don't. We failed. All right. Well, that's okay. The secret to a good radio hour. Low expectations. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, if you don't have low expectations, you've never heard of the Bethel Radio, right? <laughs> All right. So um, our next topic, I kind of posed this. Um, the last few weeks, we're uh, in our small group on Sunday mornings. Shameless plug if you don't have a small group. And uh, it's kind of for, you know, younger-ish couples, you know, people with... 40. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you can't be susceptible to the coronavirus uh, and be in this group. Uh, no, it's... We're the other married I'm, class. I might switch because yeah. I've been the adult adult. You're in the coronavirus area, buddy. You're in the oatmeal crowd there, bro. I'm not saying we're the young group. I'm just saying it was called the other Bethel couples class temporary name, and it's been that for, for, yeah. for quite a while now. So we're just the other couples class. So that means class. we are the couples yeah, class. Yeah, you're the, we're the, the other couples class. So uh, we're about to start the love languages, and so we needed like a two-week lull. Uh, and I had to cover it, and I came across this awesome uh, series on marriage, and it was on YouTube, of course, uh, where I get all my material. And it was uh, it was called uh, "From This Day Forward," and uh, you know, it was, it was a marriage thing. And so it starts out, and the preacher is pushing this wheelbarrow of bu uh, bricks onto the stage, and he says, "Whether you realize it or not, when you walk down the aisle, you are pushing a wheelbarrow full of bricks." And you didn't know about your bricks, and you sure enough did not know about your spouse's bricks, but they had bricks too. And he talks about how these bricks become a wall that eventually gets built between you and your spouse throughout marriage. And you don't mean to do it, but it's there. Um, and some of the bricks, you know, like unrealistic expectations, uh, secret sin that you think is a secret that's not going to hurt your spouse, um, past hurt, maybe, uh, could be selfishness, it could be um, unresolved conflict and unforgiveness, it could be bitterness and anger, things like that, criticism. Uh, so I was waiting for Brad to cue up um, Pink Floyd, Brick in the Wall, but he didn't, and that's okay. Uh, but what are some of your bricks, another brick in the wall for you? 
and how have you overcome it if you so feel led to share? So, so this is my question. Did our wives get with Tara and say, you need to yeah. cover this Subtle subject? Hints. So, yeah, Tara might hit well, with a brick. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> these may or may not surprise you. Uh, and, and the honesty, of course, I, I like to be known for that, I guess you could say, but male superiority was one of my bricks that I brought in. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't something that was taught. I caught male superiority in my home. And it wasn't from the standpoint, again, that my dad necessarily believed it. My mother was as old school as they come. She brought the tea to the throne. She fed him at the throne. She changed the station on the TV when he asked, because it was long before the days of remote controls. She did whatever he asked her to do. She did it willingly, she did it lovingly, and I'm telling you, I just assumed that's the way it's supposed to be, you know. Well, I, I could not have been more wrong, you know. <laughs> you mean that didn't go over oh, wrong? Oh, my see it. goodness. <laughs> and uh, so with all that said, though, I, I because, you know, we're, we're dealing with a sin nature. You know, we're not playing with a full deck. And so I picked up some things that weren't being sent. Dad didn't believe that he was superior to mom. Mom didn't believe that dad was superior to, to her. But based on what I was seeing, that's what was going on. And, um, you know, when I got past that jaded glasses that you were talking about earlier, I do remember them bickering. I do remember them working their issues out. I do remember dad... Uh, taking up for mom with us boys, so on and so forth. But again, I carried into my marriage a male superiority. And, and you know, I don't know, easily within five to ten years, confessed it, got rid of it, worked through it. And, and, and I, you know, how many times do you hear me say, we, meaning every created person in the world, are on equal footing at the cross? Well, my marriage taught me that. My marriage taught me that. And so that's a break. I won't go through all mine. I'll give you I guys can, opportunity. Kate, I, I would say the same thing, but from a different angle. I had the expectation of respect. And I think I took it to the, you know, you have to respect yeah. what I'm doing. You will. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, that's, I caught it. I'm the law I, around here. I, 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 <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, that's right. And I had the that expectation, and I also had the, it's this, I don't know, I'm sure I can even say it. I had an expectation that she had an expectation of my provision for the family. Mm. And what I thought she expected was nothing what she, she expected. She truly expected. Unrealistic really expectations. Unrealistic, yeah. completely. Yeah. Uh, That's on my and list. I've shared with you and, before. And ones my, that you had invented, though. She never well, even, yeah. 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 I, I from, called the, the, my family. What's the, you projected them on her. And I, I told you before that I got all of my... <laughs> The resources I totally that I came that. from for love and romance were every country music song that was <laughs> sung yeah. between 1960 to 1980. So you can see how messed up I was arriving at the at the altar. So yeah, and well, I mean, if you saw John Wayne do it in a movie, that is not reality at all. <laughs> not even close. Just saying. No. Well, um, hmm. I'm you kind of me off it. track. I was thinking of a country song there for oh, a second. Oh yeah, I like my women a little on the trashy side. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
All my exes live in Texas. There you go. <laughs> now, now I remember mine. Now I remember mine. Um, for the first, I, I've, I've said many times, my wife wrote the book on raising a boy into a man-child mm. and then into a man. You know, she married me. I was We started dating when I was 17. We got married as soon as I turned 19, you know. So we've been, we're still young, and we've been together 20 years, you know. So she's seen the gamut. But for the first eight years of our marriage, I used the crutch of, well, I'm better than I was, but I was justifying my bad behavior still with, I'm better than I was. And that's something I actually learned through the study you guys are about to go through is you can't live in the past. You have to live in the now, and the past is gone. So, yeah, you have grown, but look, you're still being a dummy, kid, you know? And so, I don't know, I, I took marriage as we were friends for a long time instead of marriage. We, uh, we would fight between families, my family's Christmas, your family's mm. Christmas. And it was, I guess it was a selfishness. Sure. I wanted it my way and I didn't realize, hey, we're, we're married, you know. So it's, there's, and now we're, you know, we might as well be conjoined. We're both so curmudgeon, we shut that gate, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. But it's great. It's, it's wonderful. So, you know, the, what, what are they? One ton cinder blocks up there that you build the temple with? Oh, yeah, they're close to a ton, yes. All right. Selfishness is not oh. a brick. It's one of those, yeah. you know, and landscaping I was things. thinking that, too, is when you guys were talking, I'm like, selfishness is in all of us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all that bring that into the marriage. The biggest problem, and, and that's going, and that was the name of it, um, this particular message was going from me to we. And it's so easy to be about me. It's really, really hard to be always about we. We. Amen. Right. Um, so mine was, I mean, I mean, there's so many to choose from here. Um, but one of my worst is perfectionism um, in myself. Like I expect perfectionism from myself, and therefore I should be the perfect wife, and I should cook the perfect meals, and I should it should be perfectly clean around here, and I should look perfect and act perfect and say the right thing Kids all the time. And, and he, you know, he should feel that I'm perfect, and then tell me how perfect I like. Perfection just of course. Is, it's just like that everything should be perfect. Well, we live in a super-duper imperfect world. Right. Um, so it's impossible. It's like setting up yourself, your marriage, and your spouse, all of it, your so whole for family failure, we're for going failure. To attain, it's yeah. unattainable. So, so let's, let's get the mortar uh, for that particular brick as far as to get it out. Uh, let it be what it is. You know, on, on those evenings that it doesn't turn out perfect, let it be what it is. You know, uh, you, you mentioned John Wayne and the such, and, you know, uh, a, a lot of people, let's face it, they go into their marriage hoping, expecting uh, to experience what they saw on the screen. Well, or heard in the song. Or heard in the song. They were acting. Right. They were pretending. And so, for sure, and we, another pastor said this in a series we did in our small group as well, um, and I'd been saying this for years, and I thought it was going to be the book I would write someday, about how women should not read romance novels because it is like expecting something out of your husband, the same as a man thinking that the way women act in pornography is how a woman's going to act in real life. Right. Well, then he flat out said it, and then I was like, well, there goes my book sales because you just, I'm not the most original person. I didn't think of this, I guess. Um, that for women, you read romance novels and you watch uh, the Hallmark Channel where the husband, they're always 
inside and they never go outside and they're always dressed really nice and the husband's always talking about his feelings and it's all about feelings and he feels perfect this. hair and he's kind of, yeah i mean and so for a woman you start he, to he think, cares yeah you, you <laughs> he actually cares that this is how men are supposed to be yeah. he's supposed to be you know sitting here next to me at the table pouring out his heart about his most deep thoughts and Hot you know, cocoa it, with a little heart right, on the top. Right, for sure. And it puts up an unrealistic expectation for women about their husbands, the same as pornography, what women, men think women should be in the marriage. Yeah. It's just completely destructive is what well, it is. And, and it's all a sham. Women don't want that. I had surgery and I was home for two months, and she was like calling my boss. Trying yeah, to it, it was. She was so something tired. This guy can do. I Amen. was doing dishes. I was. She was just tired of me being home. You know. Well, so before we leave this section, though, one brick for me was ignorance. I was okay with not living with her according to knowledge. I had my life to do. I mean, I was glad to be married, and this is something that that a lot of marriage counselors hit on. Whether or not a man, your man, is a quote-unquote hunter-gatherer, he still has those things inside of him. And as a man, if we're not careful, we pursue our wife and our marriage the same way we pursue our career or a game animal or whatever. Once we achieve, kill, taxidermy, mount, we move on, you know. And don't get me wrong, we're, we're glad for the wife to still be in the house and cook, clean, and all that. But we're on to the next pursuit. And, you know, Scripture's very clear. The, the marriage is the end-all pursuit. You don't ever move on. It is the trophy. It's and, the and trophy, that is that's one right. of my things under the list of, well, how do we tear down these bricks and tear down this wall? One is the power of pursuit. That's right. You, that's right. you stop pursuing your spouse. So... Um, I gave the example, we were talking, you know, discussing uh, what we had just watched last week, and I said, whenever we were first married, or no, we were dating, I burned my husband this awesome CD, because you'd get so mad when there was nothing good on the radio, and it was an awesome CD, it wasn't love songs and stupid stuff like that, it was just... Do we need a, to call John up here? <laughs> no. Was it an awesome CD, John? And I called it, I called it John's When There's Nothing on the Radio CD. CD. Uh, I don't, I maybe even made a volume two. I don't know. But I took the time, right. like two or three hours to sit down and burn this amazing, think of the songs, they had them all written out and the order they should go this in. And, I mean, yeah. it was like, I was so excited. And that example is a decade plus old. <laughs> I mean, when's the last time I sat and contemplated and, and sent a card? Two to yeah, three now hours. the kids give them a birthday card, you put mom with yeah. the heart. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, and then that's something, you know, the pastor even said, he goes, you know, I got my wife saves all of the Valentine's cards I give her. And the, I started reading through some of them, and the cards from when we were first together were like, I mean, I'd write, page, turn it over, writing, writing. And he goes, and now, like, present day, it's like, you're the best. Yeah. Be home at 10. Yep. Be home at 10. I picked up a pizza. Happy Valentine's Day. No, no doubt. You quit pursuing. You, you quit pursuing. Uh, <laughs> another thing would be uh, to, to, to do the opposite, because one of the things I put here is, is that all of these bricks that we bring in, they have opposites. And, and those opposites hmm. are the uh, mortar dissolver to get those bricks out oh, of the wall. Good. And so for my ignorance, one, the, the verse, live with her according to knowledge. Every husband in here, will you will improve your marriage. Just put a percentage point on it, and the higher the better. 
if you absolutely study her. And, and that's certainly a part of pursuit. Just like you would prey. That's right. Oh, a game animal. I you study you where they say, go, what they, what they do, what they like Just like you would like study a hunt, like how you no, kill no, a white-tailed yeah. Just hunt. like you would pursue prey. Light some candles, that's like scent yeah, in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Like pitfall. The docent. <laughs> it's just a vanilla candle. I tried that. It didn't work. It didn't work. Uh, <laughs> Can't imagine why. Um, so I like how you said the opposite. So the opposite of perfectionism for me would be like, man, it doesn't have to be perfect. The it opposite, is what it is. Opposite of selfishness is selflessness, selflessness which that's is right. not natural, but no, can no, be prayed but over. It, but it, and it's, it's crucifixion at some point. At some point, it's dying to self. And, you know, you know look here, you, you're going to do this. And, and it'll bless you. I, I, I'm telling you, and every person in here can say this about their marriage. When I have done what Christ has instructed me to do, and all of these things we're talking about, he has blessed my marriage. Yep. Oh, yeah. he, well, you, you can't promise too many things. You no. can promise that. Right. Yeah. That's and it's right. not about, you know, how does my spouse need to change or, you know, right. it's how do I need right. to change. There's only one person you can change, and that's you. But you guys know that as God changes you, he works in your loved one also. I, the, one of the things that I always go to is, is when Dawn kept waiting on me to lead the family in prayers at night before we went to bed. I wouldn't do it for one reason or the other. She just started doing it. And, man, I'm telling you, it lit a fire in me, you know. And, and, and to this day, you know, we strive to do that. She started that. You, know? you had mentioned in a sermon a while back, but when you're in conflict, to remember you're not in conflict with your spouse, you're in conflict with the enemy. Right. He's Lock really, elbows. really good at cultivating a conflict. And conflicts, just when someone hurts someone, the, nat the natural uh, fleshly response is to hurt them back. Then that person has more ammunition and justification for hurting you again, and that just gets out of control so fast. You, you have to let Christ come in heal the wound, and then take the step toward him together so you get closer together. So and, and with knowledge, just know <laughs> that if you're doing something, and we've talked about this before, you and your spouse are going to church, or you don't, you're going to get in a fight. The car is going to run out oh, of yeah. gas. So it's gonna, he's going to attack He's you. not so, doing his job. Yeah, so know it's going to happen. And Amen. he will slip up beside you and say, yeah, you're right about her. She's no good. That's right. He'll just slip right up there and say, and just encourage those harmful thoughts and feelings towards your spouse. He's great at it. Remember, at those times, you are the worst person to take advice from. Yeah. <laughs> Don't take advice from yourself. One, one of my bricks with Lindsay was, and it goes with being immature, was, you know, I was 18, 19, 20 in the military. We partied. It's no secret. Sure. It's in my testimony. She didn't. She was always the trying to guide the, well, I, I used to get so mad at her. Why are you 60 years old? We're 19. You know, that's how I, I remember saying that. I'm ashamed that's to say funny. She was mature. That's right. She kept me alive. Don't you hate if that? If I wouldn't have had her, I probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> right. You know, so all those fights, she stuck with me. Right. So, you know, behind every good man's a better woman. And no know? doubt. And a surprise mother-in-law. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so somebody texted in, even the best marriages are not perfect. Every couple has problems. The flaw in this narrative is that it doesn't acknowledge that even though no relationship is perfect, not every relationship has the same potential to be great. Uh, the painful truth is that really, um, really great marriages exist, 
but they're still not perfect. So, oh, no, yeah. um, so closing point on this one, I don't want to miss is that um, this particular pastor that led this um, series said that the number one thing you can do together as a couple that if you're not already doing is to pray together out loud daily. Um, and we talked about, um, you know, how this couple that after 25 years had never prayed together out loud, 25 years had been together almost 30 and had never prayed together out loud. And so they tried it for a week. And they said um, uh, that it was it was hard, and it it, it got it was it was awkward. And they said that if we continue, I think we will get better at it. And then the husband replied, "There is no if. Like if we keep it up, we'll get better at it." Right. And he said, "There is no if." Um, and just he said that the couples that pray out loud together, um, they have a less than one percent. A divorce rate um, that consistently pray to each uh, together out loud, um, which is awkward and it's not easy. But it's one of those things that at first it's work, and then it awkward it's enjoyment. is awesome. Yeah. Awkward is awesome, and, and I'll tell you this: that it will absolutely put the kibosh on an argument. And and, and in my humble opinion, you know you know your situation, but it really doesn't matter which one. Which person initiates it? But we all we all know what what I'm talking about. You know, you're in the heat of the battle. You don't even want to touch each other. That's right. Much less touch Look, each other and pray contact. together. That's right. I'm not even looking at and you. And so if if one will, and you might want to ask permission, may may I pray with you? you know? Yeah. And, and just just and I don't know how many times my prayers have completely changed. You know, I, I used to think I knew what I was saying. Now I just come to the Lord and say, Lord. Your scripture is very clear. You pray for us. Right. So I'm asking your Holy Spirit right now to make groanings for Dawn and I. We, we are we are at a loss, you know, and 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 God, God takes over, and and he, he he makes he makes all things new. Amen. That's good. All right, we have a short nine minutes left, um, <laughs> of which we're going to interview Tom about the Easter walk. We'll call in an infomercial. All right. Um. So, but wait, call now. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get three flyers for free, <laughs> absolutely free. Um, so the Easter walk this year is April 3rd, 4th, and 5th. It's the Sunday before Easter. Um, and Starts Tom, on that Friday, though. Right. Friday, so Friday, starting from last year, what kind of attendance did we see last year? Um, and what kind of, was it more than you expected? Was it, uh, what what was last year's like for you? Um me and Pastor Ben have talked. Uh, we believe visions and dreams and all that ended in the Old Testament. I'm a very visual person, and I do believe it's more the Holy Spirit. I, I feel things, you know. Hey, let's, let's, I feel this is coming. I don't feel this is coming. And, and I think if it's led scripturally, a lot of times he's guiding you in directions. So last year, I felt the excitement. Um, there was always a man-made bar placed around 900. This church always wanted to see 1,000 people. And I think there was an exuberance and excitement that people knew, we're going to do it. God's going to do it. We're just going to be here and see who shows up. So, yes, last year um, we had 1,044 people. And uh, we learned lessons from that, though, because we've also preached that, you know, with a tidal wave, if you don't control it, what it takes away could be more than it brought you. So we, uh, you know, our first night we, we were max capacity, you know, two-hour wait, cars up the road. 
Um, but we've learned from those lessons, and we'll probably talk about that here in a bit. But yeah, 1,044 people, and I think the final tally was 55 salvations. And uh, so um, I had a couple men that have been in the church quite a long time, and they said, you know, you need to remember this. They said, because there's churches that will never see this their entire life. He said, there are humans that will never see this type of salvation numbers their entire life. So it was a monumental win for Christ. Amen. And uh, I, I think the bar was set high, but I also am cautious to not make that the bar. If one person comes and saved, it is all worth it. Mm-hmm. So let's let's take 25 seconds and explain what, what is an Easter walk. If someone oh, has listened okay. in, they yeah. don't know what the world we're talking about. So the Easter walk, um, I was very careful. Uh, you know, Brother David Mails and his family created this, brought this... Uh, to Bethel Baptist Church. Uh, The Easter walk is just what it is. It is a walk, physical walk, through the woods, through trails, to different stations. And I was very careful to try to write it, which basically copy it out of the Bible, as what it might have been um, in the time of Christ. So you were chasing after Jesus, his final days, although it's a 45-minute walk, it's staged that it's a couple days' time that you're trying to get to them. And so you're running into people, and they all, they're telling stories, sharing interactions with Jesus. And um, basically, yeah, his last three days to crucifixion. After the Garden of Gethsemane, basically. Yes. Uh, and so that anytime people ask me or I'm trying to expose them to it, I'll just say it's a 45-minute walk of the last days of Christ's life, which is essentially what you just right. said. Right, yeah, just... Being poetic about it, I no, guess. Oh, no, I love it. I, but I think it's important for us to have a succinct way to, to tell people oh, yeah. so, so that they know what it is. Uh, but that's why I gave you 45 seconds, because I knew you would uh, you know, yeah. pontificate. And, and I do truly believe um, God gives us artistic license. No doubt. You know, um, there's, you know, my friends. There's some people that preach on the radio right. that, like you said, there's some pastors that are, uh, you know, hard to listen to. It might seem to be boring, but God has gems in all of that. And this is one of my spiritual gifts. I used to I used to be ashamed of it. I thought saying you have a spiritual gift, like you're like, oh, look at me. No, um, I love this. This is my dream to be able to. I used to pray if you could, God, if you can give me something to glorify you in a way that is fun and exciting. Let's do it. Let's do it. You yeah. know, it's like, and this is off the charts of what I could have ever asked for. So let, let me put my two bits in here, and this is all uh, to God's glory, but also to just show what God has been doing in Tom. Um, Tom came here years and years ago, uh, right before he went into the military, while he was in high school. Uh, God used the Rosses to, to you know, really point him to Christ. And, and the Moroccos, and the, yeah. And the Moroccos, absolutely. So we baptized him, and then... He went off to the military, and we basically lost track of him, you know. And when he got back, him and Lindsay, they, they came a time or two, but just quote-unquote really never got back in, and, and that, that happens. you know. And we as, use as children a, as an excuse. No doubt. As a church and a pastor, what do you do? You know, you just love the people where they're at and hope and pray they'll, they'll quote-unquote make the right decision. Well, I heard word that he was going to Compass, and I was thrilled, you know. Again, as a genuine uh, sincere pastor, I want people to go somewhere, you know, somewhere that's preaching the truth. But after the first Easter walk, I had no clue that they had even been to the Easter walk. 
he calls me and I'm standing outside of the where the Chinese restaurant is now at the funeral home there in, in St. Clair. Uh, and it's just a coincidence that the Chinese restaurant's by the funeral home. I just want to say sure. that. <laughs> it's a wonderful I place. never made the connection. I eat there often. <laughs> um, wonderful people. So the, but I can remember. But then I got to know more about the East Wall. Well, what do you mean, Tom? We came, and, and so I, I got to know more about it. And I'm like, well, give me some, and this is just how I remember the conversation. And this is what he said. He said, well, Ben, that ministry is what I want to be involved in to some level, somehow. And, and he said, well, here you go. For the first time, <laughs> my daughter, six years old? She was four. Four. Came home asking really tough questions. You know, and such questions and, I wasn't able to provide. I was still an immature Christian at the time, so I got out of it because, like I said, I'm a visual person. Yeah. I'm a dreamer. But she, I remember, she asked us in the car ride home. This is a four-year-old. She's like, "Did the men who crucified Jesus go to hell?" Oh, spoiler alert! Spoiler: There is a crucifixion in the. There front. is a crucifixion. <laughs> I'm say and, I knew it. It's the last days of Christ, folks. And I, it just blew me away because so the last day. Yeah, from the from the mouth of babes. Yeah, and that Amen. and I think that was one of the driving factors because what I got out of it was wow. Uh, for one, was all of these actors, all people together for one cause. That is not easy. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But, um, but yeah, this is what a four-year-old got out of it. Very important. So it's like, what do other people get out of it? And that's why um, I make it a point to do so much little things. If you come to my house and look at my shop, you can stare at the ceiling for an hour and not see the same thing. Hundreds and hundreds of things. And, and so that's kind of what this walk is. And it's not novelty. I'm not trying no. to make it look like a pinball machine. No, it's not. But there's little hints in people's scripts and stuff that might trigger somebody. Last year, one of the things we had on three parts of the walk, I hope you find what you're looking for. You know, and it's these little things that I truly know the Holy Spirit can use. You know, and somebody will hear those cues in that. And uh, I'll, I'll move on. I'm sure there's more questions. Well, we're well, out of time. I was just going to ask, we are out of time, but really quick, um, for the people that are here tonight, that um, is there still a spot in the Easter Walk? And could they help in some way? Uh, what if it's like, I don't really like to talk or I don't really like being in front of people? Is there still a place for you? That's what this walk is. Um, like I said, give them something to look at. You know, um, we have people that are gifted in memorizing and speaking and that they have their parts. We have the carpenters. What we don't necessarily have a lot of are people just to stand there. This was a busy time Crowd in type. biblical history, and there was crowds following Jesus. You, we have plenty of uh, costumes you could put on. And we just, just need people to show just up. Warm bodies. Warm yeah. bodies. And it warm will bodies. Just stand there, right? Yes, yeah. that's it. Yep. And, and respond. You know, they're... they're like at the woman at the well, there's right. opportunities to respond, whether it's hallelujah or, oh, you know, yeah, moans the, in the crowd. This year we will have a vineyard, and there will be people in their baskets picking grapes. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you see somebody and smile at them, your smile could just, that could be it for them. Yeah. You know, and the, let's see what God can't do with it. And we need you know? crowds to yell crucify, for Barabbas yeah. or we crucify. We people is what we you're do. saying. Yes, we do. I'll say this, and we've probably got to go. One of the things that I just try to lovingly preach to anybody, especially churches, we will do what it might be most difficult for you to do. If you've got that uncle, that friend, that relative, that neighbor that 
you do not feel like Amen. yet you've had an opportunity to share the gospel with and you're not sure how. Here it is. Invite them yeah. to this Easter walk. We will share the gospel to them in a three to five minute setting after the walk. All you have to do on the way home is say, what did you think? Amen. And that's it. And I tell a lot of people, you don't have to be a church person. I said, you come to Lonedale, it's going to blow you away. This is in the woods. Our temple weighs 300,000 pounds. So come check it out. Start it, praying. Right. Start yes. praying. Amen. Absolutely. No doubt. Good awesome. weather. Thanks, Thank everybody. you, guys. Thanks, Tom.